the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I will be your host for today. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and we are the leading provider of lines of credit for small nonprofits in the United States. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Tina Dietz from Twin Flames Studios. Uh, and today's topic will be mobilizing sponsors and donors with podcasts for nonprofits. Tina Dietz is an award-winning and internationally acclaimed speaker, audiobook publisher, corporate podcast producer, and vocal leadership expert. You might have come across her on ABC, Inc., Forbes, or in the Huffington Post. And she's the host of the eagerly awaited new podcast, Drink from the Well. Tina is the CEO of Twin Flames Studios, where they harness the power of the human voice and technology to amplify leaders who change the world. Tina, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks, Stephen. It's lovely to be here. You know, when I was looking at the uh, your bio, sometimes I have to, oh, almost every time, I have to tweak it down so that it's good for the podcast. Uh, and uh, but when I, you know, I read through this thing, which I was I was thinking of uh, changing it, but I said, you know, for a nonprofit, for an executive director, or for someone at a nonprofit, this part where you where the bio says where they harness the power of the human voice and technology to amplify leaders who change the world, I was like. That's good because that's true. I mean, when I see with the nonprofits that that our, our listeners are, where you know they're they're real, they have a purpose, don't they? They have a tremendous purpose, and that's everyone that we work with. That this power that we have to get our voices out onto the airwaves at will now, without the intermediate intermediary of a uh, terrestrial radio station or any other kind of barriers between us and our the people we're trying to reach is a tremendous p- privilege and we love to make use of it for those people who are out to make a difference. Yeah, the only difference I think I do two podcasts actually. I do one called the Nonprofit MBA podcast, but I do another one called the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. But it's it's so much, you know, listen, you could have that dynamic business owner who really really believes in their mission and they're they're completely passionate about it. But every nonprofit executive director that I know, that I've spoke with, that we have as clients, that have been, you know, that sometimes have been on the podcast, they're they are really passionate about their mission. Um, and so, you know, I I I I really like what you're talking about, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm telling you, I'm going to be interested to hear what you say about how you can amplify your voice as a nonprofit leader about. Uh, and how do you utilize that to mobilize sponsors and donors? So let's get it. Let's hit that right out of the gate. Tell sure. tell us a little bit about how you think podcasting can really, you know, mobilize sponsors and donors. There's there's a number of ways that this can break down. So I'm going to pause because otherwise I'm going to be a bit of a fire hose and it's just going to be me talking for 20 minutes. And that's no fun on a podcast. Um, I, of course, we produce them. So yeah. 
I've got to walk my own talk on that, right? Uh, but I started my career in the nonprofit world. I'm actually a therapist by training. And I worked with universities. I worked, uh, started a grassroots nonprofit with young people, teenagers, and in the leadership and self-expression space. And I always felt with nonprofits that one of their biggest challenges was overcoming this desire to constantly put the mission first and at the cost of the voices of the leadership of the organization and the almost an over humility that you see mm. in, in nonprofits, but it's a little bit of the, the death of creativity by committee. And that I found very uh, frustrating when I, at the time when I was in non in the nonprofit world and where podcasting really makes a difference is allowing nonprofits to create a voice for their brand, a voice for their organization. I call this a thought leadership avatar and have that voice come through their podcast so that it is a direct communication conduit into the hearts and ears of the people that their uh, nonprofit is impacting and the and to create awareness into into that space. So there are ways to direct uh, add value to sponsors. There's a way to attract more donors, but the most important thing is creating this deep human voice of the cause itself, of the actual nonprofit, in a way that um, can be challenging if you're trying to do it in writing or on video or in other ways. I believe there's a place for all of those mediums, by the way. Podcasting isn't the be-all and end-all, but because we're humans having a human conversation, podcasting has some advantages. So the uh, I I, I, ha I have to ask because I just I want to could you give us examples of people who have uh, in the nonprofit sector and and I don't know maybe you just don't have a lot of them and but but can you give me an example that of of executive directors or leaders at nonprofits that have really used uh, podcasting uh, creatively. Well, we're actually not seeing a lot of this. So that's actually why I wanted to come on the show yeah. today because we work a lot in the world of organizational, corporate, business, podcasting. And the entertainment world has taken full advantage of podcasting. The business world has taken full advantage of podcasting. But the nonprofit world, for whatever reason, even though there are kind of nonprofit uh, consultants and leaders, we're not seeing as many organizations take advantage of this of this medium and i understand that it can be complex but you know particularly when we're talking about um you know how people are consuming information people you know a, more than a third of americans are listening to podcasts weekly the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts a week and the average listener is also listening to at least 40 minutes of talk time on every single episode of a podcast. The average listening or watching time for a video is two minutes. So if you have a message to convey, if you have stories of how your nonprofit is impacting people in different parts of the country, different parts of the world, making a difference, you have the room in a podcast to be able to tell those stories and create that deep human connection that builds loyalty, that inspires action, all those things that nonprofits want to be doing. And it can also help build the reputation of a company. So nonprofits often are, um, 
you know, coming up against the issue of, oh, where, where is my money actually going if I'm a donor? Are they actually, you know, using the money the way they say they will? You can create incredible social proof through the storytelling in a podcasting and create that deep trust through this universal power of the human voice. Every culture on the planet has this um, need for storytelling. We're so deeply wired for it. Every human being on the planet is wired for storytelling. So the power and quality of the human voice is something that transcends culture. It's something that transcends age. And so you can tell when somebody is being authentic. You can tell. Um, there's some really interesting research out there that says, you know, when you have the, the voice alone, just audio, people can pick up cues of dishonesty much easier than when it's audio and video. Because we're so wired also to be highly visual creatures, our visual cortex will override what our ears know. So if somebody is giving off all the visual cues that they're honest, but they're giving off audio cues that they're dishonest, we'll believe them because the audio or the visual cues will take over. But if you hear them just on audio, it's very hard to fake it, extremely hard to fake it. So all of these factors are things that you know we can take and look at in the world of nonprofit and say, how is this going to serve relationships with donors? How is this going to serve relationship with sponsors? Um and certainly, you know, we can talk about adding adding value for sponsors by uh, in in a couple of different ways, both having sponsors as guests as well as having sponsors be sponsors to pay for the budget for a podcast. It's a uh, it's actually a pretty easy sell in my in yeah, my opinion. I was going to talk about that too, since I do my own podcast. <clears throat> I've been doing them for I'm in my fourth year, and you know, I and let's cover that right now. I. Uh, I originally got involved because, you know, the one thing I've learned in business is sometimes you just got to move forward and try it and, and, and things come out of that effort. And because it's very inexpensive to produce a podcast, I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it and we'll see where it goes. And, you know, I, I like doing them. So that's, that's fun. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they're inexpensive. They're easy to really kind of throw together. And as I continued to do them, I started adding more parts. So like, like, uh, so just between you, uh, Tina and my listeners, I, I just, after 90 episodes started to work and improving the format. Right. That's as after 90 episodes though. Right. And, right. uh, and so, you know, and so, but you know, I had thousands of listeners now and, and I, you know, even my business partners looking at this podcast and saying, wow, <laughs> you know, we weren't expecting that, you know? And, um, so it is, you know, for our listeners, it's really easy to do. I mean, I use for you, you should all know, I use Zencaster. It's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com to, to record it. And then we upload uh, uh, the, the files to um, Libsyn, which uploads it all to the podcasting apps. And even, you don't even have to upload it to the podcasting apps because a lot of people listen to podcasts uh, through our website. Which is, you know, that's an interesting little piece of information because most podcasts are not listened to through websites. So that th what that tells us is that your listenership 
and your positioning is very niche to a very specific audience. Yes. And that's perfect. That's what we look for in this type of podcasting, that you've got a listenership that is ever growing, that comes back. And you always want to be, of course, bringing people back to your website and developing their relationship with you. With a nonprofit, they, you want people to come back to that website. You want them to see the ways that they can participate, that they can be donors, that they can be sponsors, that they can get involved, that they can be advocates for that organization and that cause. So uh, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, Stephen, is you know some really best practices in what you need to have in a successful podcast. We're not looking for tens of thousands of downloads necessarily. You're looking for multiple hundreds and thousands that are going to be in the exact listenership you're looking for. You're talking directly to executive directors and executives and people in this nonprofit world. Uh, you know, you're not Joe Rogan. You're not uh, Dax Shepard. That's that's a that's an entertainment podcast that's going to have a very different strategy than these niche educational podcasts are going to have. Yeah, uh, I, I got to stop and do an advertisement. Uh, uh, but what we're going to do when we come back from that advertisement, I think Tina and I are going to brainstorm as to some good ways that uh, you know maybe that a nonprofit can use it for sponsors and donors. Um, you know, we're just going to do some things off the cuff, um, kind of come up with some ideas. So, you know, I mentioned before, I'm the, I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions, and we are the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Most nonprofits don't even know that they have the ability to get a line of credit because it was so hard. It's so, so hard to get a line of credit with the commercial bank. There are specific reasons for that. They want collateral. They want personal guarantees, which is both something that we do not require. And our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it just a great cash backup plan. Um, it's it's mostly used, the line of credit, for emergencies. Um, you can use it for whatever way you want. But mostly, 75% of the time, the line of credit is used for uh, payroll because you can't miss paying your people. And we all know that there's sometimes ups and downs in cash flow due to reimbursements and funding and things like that. And that's what makes a line of credit great for not only a nonprofit, but for a business. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com or call us at 862-207-4118. And if you decide to apply today, we'll even give you a $250 credit on file. And just remember uh, that the line, the time to set up a line of credit is when you don't need it so that when you do need it, it's ready to go. And because it doesn't cost anything to set it up or doesn't cost anything when it's not being used, it's just a great backup plan. So let's get back to our, our podcast. You know, so we were talking about how to, you know, mobilize sponsors and donors. I mean, one of the things you said, Tina, that it really resonates with um, nonprofits because nonprofits over the last 10 years, we all know uh, in the nonprofit world that storytelling is so ubiquitous with the idea of being a nonprofit that that's what everyone's been taught, tell stories. And certainly a podcast is a great way to tell a story. So, I mean, one of the ways that I can see, and then Tina, maybe you can jump in with some of your ideas you know, I could, I, I'm, I'm on a board, a couple boards for nonprofits, and I can see where you know, we, we could use the podcast 
that tell the stories of the people we're helping. Exactly. Right. So I can really, really see that. And, um, and, and, you know, the thing that would be interesting is, you know, I think the donors, uh, who are your existing donors, it'd be so easy to point them to those podcasts and it would allow them to understand this is where my money's going. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely nailing it. What you're, what you're saying. So sponsors want to know that what they're funding is certainly well spent. And with podcasting, you can add another layer of value to those sponsors that's going to serve multiple interests. So for example, if you've got a, um, a company, let's just say that, uh, Let's say it's a company like yours that provides financial uh, lines of credit uh, to to organizations so that they can have a great emergency backup. They can make sure that their people get paid. They have peace of mind financially. And and I totally agree with you, by the way, that the time to get a line of credit is when you don't need it. Mm -hmm. I've been in business for many decades I've built businesses in more than 20 industries in eight different countries, and you always need that backup. Um, so if you were a sponsor on a nonprofit podcast, and or just for a nonprofit in general, and you had your logo on the website, you've got uh, maybe you get two minutes at the podium at a live event. You are shown on their uh, blog posts or, you know, what would be some other ways that traditionally a sponsor would get value from participating with a, a nonprofit? Can you think of any more? Well, they would, you know, they'd get mailers, right? They get uh, uh, directed to, you know, lots of emails, of course, you know, if that's what you're asking me. Uh, yeah. So that it's those kinds of things that a sponsor usually receives in exchange for their donation and their sponsorship and the association they have with that nonprofit organization. So they can say they are a proud sponsor of, you know, the American Heart Association or, you know, the, you know, cancer association of some kind, whatever the case may be. Well, when you bring a podcast into the mix, you add another layer of value. So they could be, you could be as the host of that podcast doing a warm host read commercial, which are the most effective types of podcast advertising. And by the way, podcast advertising is now 1 billion per month mm. is being spent on podcast advertising. So they could be, you know, you could have that wonderful commercial, you know, thanks so much today for our wonderful sponsors who are doing this great work and this is how they help people and now yeah. they're able to help us. Wonderful to do that warm, authentic shout out. You can also have those sponsors potentially as guests, not in a salesy way, not talking about their business, why did they, but maybe why did doing they donate, some storytelling. You know, yeah. Why? Yeah. Why are they associated? What's their personal connection? There's always, always in a company, somebody who's a decision maker that has a personal connection to that nonprofit. What's that story? Yeah, I also think you and could- that's really powerful. I also think you can do like- um, a little bit telling people about like what's going on in your nonprofit too. Like even from an, you know, a challenge that you had and you overcame a challenge that you're having and why it's a totally. big deal. You know, I, I think w once you get your staff together and just set, get everybody together and just brainstorm, Oh, we can do a show, show on this or yeah, we can do a show on this. And it just, 
again, you know, I, you, you probably just do one, one every two weeks, right? Most of our clients do biweekly podcasting and we find that that is plenty effective. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, with the way that we do podcasting and reusing the assets of the podcast to create organic SEO, to create compelling content marketing, compelling uh, relationship marketing, um, you know, client and sponsor attraction, all of those things, lead generation. The When it's done strategically like that, not only do you end up in the top 10, top 5% of podcasts, generally within a year to 18 months, but you also end up with the additional income and the additional media exposure that you want and the better search engine optimization, you know, so that you, you don't have to be spending money on Google AdWords. Google just likes you and starts to recognize you as an authority website in your area. Yeah. I mean, it's all the reasons we do it. I mean, and also I just, I feel like I need to tell our listeners, like, you know, how much you can get a podcast going for, uh, you know, and, I, I think I might be undercutting it, but you know, maybe $150 a month. I mean, this, you know, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's not like we do a lot more. Like we, we actually have a writer who writes up the podcast into an article, which goes on our website. Um, you know, there's, we have, I'm trying to think, we don't do any Facebook uh, or any type of advertising at all. I mean, it's actually something we're looking into now, but um so we don't do any uh, outreach that way. Uh, you know, we, so it's really, you know, we use our in- ex- existing infrastructure to email it out to the people that are, have registered for a line of credit. So, our, so those are either our prospects or our clients. Um, so it's really not, you know, that the $150 I gave you is not for the writers and stuff like that. That's a little different. Um Am I, you think I'm, I, I'm just, I, I haven't really thought about it in my head. Do you, do you think that's uh, what I'm saying is kind of correct, Tina? No, but then again, I own a podcasting company and we'd never be able to run a company on $150 <laughs> a month on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So let's be honest, yeah. Steve, I've got a, a different uh, business model than what you're talking about. You could certainly, as an individual and as a small business, get started on your own with no outside help. For that kind of budget of money, yeah. Let me and let me, um, cut off, for sure. let, me uh, let me be clear too. I didn't start off on my own. You're, you're right. I started off at a studio, right? And uh, and the person had experience in podcasting, and uh, you know, so 150 dollars was just for the subscription services of Libsyn and uh, ZenCaster, and then I think I paid like 300 dollars an episode for this guy to help me get them up and to do all that work. Um, you know, that type of thing. So anyway, so, uh, to be clear, so. Sure. Absolutely. Well, it, and it also depends when you're working with, I've worked with solopreneurs, uh, I've worked in entertainment. I've worked with people to develop, um, corporate, podcasts and also organizations that have multiple layers of compliance and things like that, like in the financial world. So a lot of the the podcast development does depend on the complexity of the organization. For a small nonprofit that is being run by a core group of people, if they have the bandwidth and the time, 
that's usually where you run into issues, uh, to develop and, and run all the pieces of a podcast on their own, you can get by with a, with a, a definitely with a, a smaller budget. But this is the beauty of offering value to sponsors is, is having somebody actually sponsor your podcast so that you can develop it in such a way that you can have a professional editor and have it come off very polished. You you know can make sure that the podcast is being repurposed into the assets that are going to move the needle on your search engine optimization, like uh, show notes, transcript, keywords, um, as well as email marketing, social media marketing. Uh, images, short videos. There's you can you can create all of your content marketing in a really robust way just from a podcast, and have reusable content that then gets sliced and diced a bunch of different ways. That is relatively easy to produce. The difference between if you hire a writer to write a researched article, something that you'd be able to get produced, say in Forbes a really good writer who's going to go out and do that for you is going to be anywhere from 500 to a thousand or more dollars for a thousand to 1500 word article, uh, industry specific. You can get your podcast produced with all those assets for that type of price and have two episodes a month with all of the, with a whole bunch of marketing assets for the same type of budget. And then you can always turn it much easier into an article later. That's not going to cost you as much even if you hire a writer. So all of this is very strategic and should be part of a larger marketing plan that a nonprofit has. And that's one of the things that we do when we're working with companies to see what package, what elements are going to be the right fit to, to make sure that the budget makes sense, that the resources spent make sense, and that the the return on the investment is there. Yeah, I and to be clear, if knowing what I know now, um, it's not exactly my personality, but I wish I had started in the beginning producing a, a higher quality podcast from the start. And the, the problem is, is, um, the, the, um, podcasts stay forever. <laughs> So, so you can't go back and say, oh, I, I want to change the first podcast I did because I didn't like my format. And I, you know, my, like, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, so I think it, it hasn't been until recently, my podcasts are typically, they were 50 to 55 minutes long, right? And now I'm trying to get them down to about 35 minutes. And, you know, so I look back and I say, oh, boy, these are long podcasts, you know, and, you know, the the feedback is great. They really I mean, people like the podcasts a lot, but I, I wish I had known a little bit more like the format right now. Uh, like I used to have these really long bios that I would that were like really long. And I think, you know, now I have people who will listen to like today's podcast and then they'll say, oh, I really like his podcast. And then they'll go back and listen to the old ones. And they'll be like, oh, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're not as good, you know. Um, but that's almost always the case with podcasts, even with professional podcasters, with the team behind them. Podcasting tends to get better over time. It, it, you know, like, like, like most formats that are uh, creative in a way that uh, require development. 
and that are not necessarily being backed by a large production team. It and it is. And and by the way, if you, you can re-edit and resubmit those, but most people don't because it honestly isn't necessarily worth your time. People will go back in the back catalog. We see this, oh, we track this with our clients all the time. Right, I could do it, but yeah, but is it is it worth your time? The re- people are more likely to listen when they first find a show to one of your last six to ten episodes. They'll start with one of your recent episodes that caught catches their eye. Then they might go back all the way into your back catalog. But let's face it, in the society and the and the attention span we have, like we have the attention span of a goldfish these days, um, most people don't have the patience to scroll all the way back through 90 episodes and start at the beginning. Unless it's a topic that's really, really intriguing. So, you know, to all that to say, you know, you're safe, not re-recording <laughs> your your first 10 or 20, 20 episodes, yeah. because now you have 90. And that kind of staying power is one of the hallmarks of credibility in the podcasting world. Um, there's something called pod fade, where people get into podcasting, they don't realize that it does require thinking ahead. And it's not just sitting down in front of a microphone and, you know, popping something up through Anchor because Anchor is a free platform to distribute podcasts. There's more to it than that. So they'll do four, five, six episodes and they'll, they'll be gone. So only 22% of podcasts that are actually listed as podcasts available on say Apple podcasts are actually actively producing podcasts at this time. Yeah, what's the statistic? Maybe you said it and I missed it. Um, uh, the um, only 2% of pop, uh, podcasts go past six episodes or something like that. It's some crazy number where- Yeah, it's it, it fluctuates, but uh, it's it's definitely more than 50, 60% of podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's some crazy yeah, number. Yeah, and only 22% of, li- of podcasts that are listed in podcast apps- are currently producing episodes. Yeah, and what it, so sorry, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, what's interesting too is how uh, the podcast doing them open up avenues that I, I didn't think we're gonna like the idea of posting an article for SEO, search engine optimization, which is for Google purposes, which is one of the main things we do. Is it's, it's also to get links from other websites to my website, which helps search engines, you know, for a nonprofit and it may not be as important to them, but you're, it's interesting how the, the avenue itself of podcasting opened up other avenues of storytelling, uh, social media, being able to get more material out on your social media sites about a podcast you did, and, you know, and, and to, you know, and honestly with me, that's <laughs> the other thing. I am a audio and visual learner. So I don't, uh, I do read a lot, but I, I'm not a good reader because I have dyslexia. And so I I prefer getting my word out, my story through audio and video. And uh, so, you know, the podcast is really nice for me because I don't, ha- I don't have to write anything. And um, so it's, 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 it's been easy. And that's the idea that it gets other things out. Um, so, uh if people want, said, you know, okay, Tina and Steven, I've bought into this idea. I'm going to start a podcast. I mean, I think that they should, I would highly recommend that they bring Tina on. That's what I would recommend. Okay. Cause I think my lesson says, if you're going to do it, do it right. Bring somebody on who can 
bring you up that learning curve real fast. You know, Tina, tell us what you would do to help somebody. Well, and I think it's interesting uh, what you said though about your your own experience with with podcasting. What what you would do differently because a lot of what we do with companies at first is to deter- to determine the feasibility of a podcast. Does it make sense? And that is really the first step. What else do you have going on? What are your values? What's your bandwidth? What's the structure of your organization? And we usually start with a conversation about just that. Uh, because I, I've, I subscribe to the idea that there is no one-size-fits-all solution. But if we can sit down and understand what your goals are, who you want to be reaching, what, where's the heart and soul of your nonprofit or your company, then we can make a solution that either fits or we can have you be very clear that maybe podcasting isn't a good fit for you instead of wondering about it or experimenting with it on your own when your time would actually be better spent doing something else. Uh, I'm very pragmatic in business, always have been. And I'll be the first one to tell the people that come to us and say, this is a good fit. This is this is not a good fit based on some of the things we talk about uh, with them. There's some important factors to consider. So that's really the first thing is, is it feasible? And does it make sense? And if it does, then we can see how we can tie the pieces of their goals together with a podcasting solution. So this might just go ahead, be jumping into creating an ongoing show. It might be creating a limited series podcast, something that really just tells 10 stories, um, 10 most important stories that the nonprofit wants to tell, case studies almost, or you know, very specific instances of things that have happened through the work that this nonprofit has done, and they can showcase those as stories. Could be another po- potential solution. We also can use podcasting if they have large events and showcase the event uh, before, during, and after using audio. And I will touch on something you said, Stephen, which is about the learning styles of folks. Most people listen to podcasts because they do want to learn something. More than 75% of podcast listeners report they go to podcasts to learn something. Not everybody is a audio learner or kinesthetic learner or visual learner. And I hear this all the time. Well, people are primarily visual learners. Yes. And that doesn't mean we need visual cues to learn. And we're not talking about step-by-step instructions when we're talking about podcasting. So consider that podcasting is, and audio in general, is the most accessible form of learning and is the most accessible form of media. You can listen when you can't watch. You can listen when you can't read. And it also overcomes a a number of uh, things like you mentioned, like dyslexia, um, visual impairment. Uh, we have a whole division of our company that is nonfiction audiobooks, and you know we regularly produce books that are for folks who are visually impaired. So, you know, we have to. There's a place for everything in terms of of media production. And if you're curious, people are curious about podcasting. It's best to get your questions answered and satisfy your curiosity, um, and and look to expert sources rather than floundering on your own because you feel like. Uh, you you know you want to ha- you're worried about spending the money or you're worried about 
having um, getting sucked into something that you're not sure is going to be good for you or not, or being sold to. It's best to find uh, experts, and I will include myself in this in those experts who can have a conversation with you objectively. Good stuff. Great podcast. I learned a lot. I, I think our listeners probably really learned a lot. I think it's going to be one of the more listened to podcasts because I think it's a very creative idea and I like it. That's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank so very much Tina Dietz from Twin Flames Studios for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Um, and if you like today's podcast or the podcast in general, uh, as long as you rate us five stars, please give us a review on the podcasting app. It really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Tina, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. You can just visit Twin Flames Studios, they're both plural.com, twinflamesstudios.com. Or if you happen to Google my name, Tina Dietz, D I E T Z, I will be the first one on Google that shows up. Good. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Stephen. This has been a really interesting conversation. I appreciate it. I want to thank all our listeners out there. Um, uh, you know, uh, you guys are out there uh, doing all the hard work. You're making the world a better place. I thank you for that personally. And, uh, and uh, you know, both Tina and I need to do our part too. Uh, we, we definitely, as a, uh, as a world, needs to, we need to do better. And you guys are out there all the time doing it every single day. So I thank you for that. Everybody have a great day. But the last thing I want to tell all our listeners is, you can't do, you can't change the world if you don't take care of yourself. So make sure that you are taking care of yourself because we need you. Everybody have a fantastic day. And then please listen to the next uh, nonprofit MBA podcast. See ya. 